hello 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 everybody welcome back to domestation this is episode 46 and it's the one and only georgina and i really am the one and only person here today because jazz will not be joining us today unfortunately she's experiencing technical difficulties you know what it is but um hi jazz if you're listening so you guys have me today ha 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 um i hope everybody's had a good week so far although we probably only would have experienced monday by the time this comes out (laughs) but whenever you're listening i hope you're doing well today is a very joyous day today is a bad bitch's birthday today is my brainchild my my everything it's the podcast birthday today is dumb sages first birthday this podcast has been going on for a year like literally this time last year this podcast wasn't out into the world yet but it was <laughs> like it's here and i'm so proud of myself i'm so proud of jazz i'm so proud of everything that we've managed to conjure up i'm so happy that it's still growing like we're still putting out episodes like we could have very easily hung it up in our first year but we made it and here's to many many more like i'm so happy that i have this podcast i'm so happy that every week i have an opportunity to just trash it and i know that people are gonna listen to it (laughs) and like i feel like or i want to say I'm happy that people listen to this podcast and it has an effect on their mood. Like, if the one thing I really wish, or I really hope this podcast does is make people just have a good day. You know, sometimes you just listen to something and it makes you, it made you laugh so much or it made you, like, just have such a good time that now that mood just carries over for the whole day. Like, I hope that's what Dumb Sage is for people because it is for me. Both when I'm recording it and both when I listen to it, like... I have a great time <laughs> both ways and I really hope that people do too shout out to our listeners thank you to every single person that's logged into an episode of Dumb Sage just plugged in listen like today I was looking at our analytics so to speak if you um if you want to call it that before the um episode started before I started recording and not only did we have like an angel number as the listens we had one 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 plays and i was like oh my god and then i was just looking at like the episodes people had listened to recently and they were like old episodes it wasn't even any of our more recent stuff like people are going back into the episodes and listening and i was just like oh my god like there are people that actually want to hear what we had to say like a few months ago like that's crazy (laughs) and like yeah like i don't know about you but i've always wanted a podcast i've always wanted to just talk at first i wanted to be a radio show host because i felt i had like a radio show host voice i do quite frankly but you know it's not everybody that can access a radio station so why not just our podcast and i can do it with the best co-host ever jazz like I can just 
talk to this girl every single week and have a good time and you guys can listen to it i mean what's not to love but yeah here's to many many more years of podcasting of dumb sage of friendship and growth and progress on this little podcast of ours cheers everybody um in other news <laughs> what did i do this week i worked a lot i worked really hard i hung out with family i hung out with my brother and like we had a good time he was here for the weekend and like it's so weird like i'm beginning to realize that my brother is actually like a person <laughs> like he's an individual and he has like he's like his whole this whole person like i don't know if you guys understand maybe people who have siblings do but when you have somebody that you've known from like literal like embryo stage and then seeing them like just navigate the world on their own it's so wild to me and I feel like it's kind of just clicking in my mind that he's a grown-ass individual and like it's so great to just be able to like have a conversation with him and hang out with him like it's wild like if he wasn't my brother he would be a really cool person to know and that kind of just sank in this weekend we um went to watch ant-man the new ant-man i don't even know what it's called it has a weird name like ant-man and the quantum mania or something and i'm not even gonna grade the movie because it's marvel like i don't go into marvel movies expecting cinematic excellence because i know that that ship has sailed personally cinematic excellence at marvel ended with the avengers franchise that we just had like cinema cannot peak beyond endgame like i don't know what to tell you <laughs> so i wasn't walking into it expecting things to be fantastic because marvel movies lately haven't been fantastic but do you know who was fantastic in ant-man jonathan majors that man not only is he beautiful he is an excellent actor like you guys don't understand that movie the storyline was hanging on by a thread okay was the writing was weak but every single scene that jonathan majors was in i felt like i was seeing the light for the first time every single time he was on my screen like he's intense he's fine he can act he's menacing like he does everything he plays kang which is the new villain for this era of um the marvel cinematic universe i was reading up on his character the other day he i won't give spoilers because you know i know the girlies haven't watched yet but he is a lot so we're gonna see a lot of jonathan majors just because of the very nature of his character like you've if you guys are tapped in you've probably already seen him in the last episode of loki the tv show because they 
I think that was the first time he starred in the Marvel world. But now he's on, like, in movies and he's going to be in movies for a while. Like, at least the next three, four years, we're going to be seeing this man on camera. And I just... I, I, I'm, like, so excited. And I will be there no matter what. Like, he's so good. Like, he, he just... I can't imagine anybody else playing this character. And now that he's playing it, I just know we're going to have such a good time. But I need Marvel to get it together. Because, yes, Jonathan Majors is Jonathan Majors. But I can't expect him to do all the heavy lifting. Like, everybody, like the reason why Avengers was so good is because we were surrounded by heavy hitters. Everybody was on job. Everybody knew what they had to do. Including Josh is it Brolin or Grolin, the guy that plays Thanos. Jonathan Majors is Jonathan Majors, but like even Paul Rod, like Paul Rod is good. Michelle Pfeiffer, great. We had Michael Douglas in this film. Like we had heavy hitters, but the writing was not up to par. It was just like it was kind of like sitting through a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Like for some reason, my spirit just doesn't take to those particular movies like I can't I can't but um that was a highlight of my week because now I just want to like consume Jonathan Major's content like I just need to see this guy acting shit like he's so good and then the other thing that I did um on the weekend I saw Isaiah Rashad in concert for the first time this is my first concert of the year I think it's my first brother's my brother's first concert ever which was so wild like I was with this guy at his first concert and it was just like you know when you see somebody do something for the first time and you're like wow I really wish I could experience this with you like your first concert I think my first concert was Beyonce at the Mrs. Carter World Tour in the O2 I went by myself I was in the nosebleeds but I had the time of my life anyways back on track I had a good time at the show I mean I mean, I'm not complaining, but the, the, the crowd was majority Caucasian. It was very cork in nature, and I wasn't, like, expecting much, but, you know, yeah. And um, I couldn't really, I don't know if it was, like, the the, the sound of the, the room, the acoustics of the room, or the mics, I don't know. But I couldn't hear like articulation like I couldn't make out words and I'm an I'm an Isaiah Richard fan like I listened to his music this last album he dropped the house is burning I love it intensely but the mistake I made was I hadn't listened to his music in a while before the show and then I now made the rookie mistake of trying to listen to his entire discography while I got ready for the show like of course nothing's gonna stick so I think that contributed to me not having a great time. But I couldn't hear what he was saying half the time. And like he had a band. And for those of you who are familiar with Isaiah's music, you... I mean, a part of my listening experience is, yes, the lyricism, but I'm also here for the musicality. And I particularly like the beats that... He chooses yes there are elements of like live instruments in there you kind of want to hear like the you know how they make the song on garage band you want to hear that live but like really loud really good speakers but this time around he had a band like a live band and 
I don't think it translated very well for all of the song choices. In some cases it did, but not all of all of the songs on the track list are beyond the set list. It didn't need a live band in my opinion. He just needed to have the track. Maybe some elements of live music in there, but the backing track needed to be there. That's just my opinion. But yeah, it was good. It was I. Even the ending was just like like he rapped like his biggest song i think now his biggest song now is that lay with you i can't remember i was i was kind of lit i can't remember but he performed the live like live acoustic version of that song then he played it with the backing track and then he just disappeared off the stage and then they played like the first half of family ties baby keem's bit and then the lights turned on and they were like, okay, yeah, we're done, bye. And I was like, what? I was so confused. And I was just like, is this how they end shows? Like, yeah, okay, we're in a small venue. We were in a small venue, but I've been to many a show in that venue. They normally close the show. They normally say, okay, guys, thank you so much for coming out. We love you. They might even do a cheeky encore, but they don't just turn the lights on and <laughs> everybody to get the fuck out of the establishment i was so confused i was just like um and there was like zero set production and i know that that capable is capable of putting a screen up and putting some visuals on the screens though all we had were like strobe lights that weren't even that great there was like no lighting on stage like there wasn't like a lit up screen behind him or anything i was just like what the hell is this like, I, 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 I don't want to say I didn't have a good time because I did have a good time. I did. But I wasn't impressed, I guess is what I want to say. And I don't know if that's, if, if that's something I can even say. Am I supposed to say I wasn't impressed? I mean, I guess you're going to a show. One of the major things you want to achieve at a show is see some shit you haven't seen before. Or maybe experience something. Like, you want to see somebody that you like perform a song that you like live. There's something magical about that. But I was expecting a show as well. Like, you want to see a show. I've seen the internet at that venue. And, like, that was fantastic. I've seen... Who else have I seen at that venue? Goldlink I've seen at that venue. And even him, like, he gave us, like, visuals. Like, he literally had, like a blue screen behind him and then like the effects were changing throughout the show and it was just him and the and like the backing tracks and the light on the stage and that was all we needed it was great but this one mm, just a little a little rough around the edges you know just a little bit but good time was had nonetheless uh -huh. that just reminded me People that choose to smoke inside a venue. What's up with that? <laughs> like. It's one thing with you people smoking those fucking vapes inside. We said this in the first episode of the year. Fuck vapes. All my niggas hate vapes. Especially disposable vapes. People were smoking those in the venue. And I don't really care. Like, I was standing next to, like, a vent, so I had a direct stream of fresh air in front of my face at all times. So I don't care about the vape. But people started smoking actual marijuana in the venue. And I will not say what race 
these people were. It was a Caucasian person. <laughs> they were smoking right in front of us. And do you know that later on in the show, security stormed through the crowd, just running, rammed in through everybody. And they escorted somebody off the premises. And do you know who that, the, the, the color of that person? My fellow black. I was just like, see, see what they call racism in action. Because these people had been smoking like all night, like literally. And it was like gas. Like it wasn't even like oregano. They were smoking straight gas in the venue. And then I think I then discovered on Twitter later that the person was even kicked out for a vape. But I was like, maybe the person was smoking at a time where everybody else had calmed down. So you're literally the only smoke signal we see. Come on, bruv. When the whole place was looking like a shisha lounge, why didn't you light up then? It was the whole experience. I've I've had better. Is what I really want to say. That's what the, the root of this is. I've had better experiences at shows, in venues, everything from the from the from the entertainment to the to the crowd to the vibe i've experienced a lot better but i had a good time because i had great company and that was my brother i think i'm like i don't think any show i attend this year will be as good as the renaissance show even though i haven't seen it i just know it's going to it will probably be the, the best show i've ever seen in my life so i'm like every show that i'm attending between now and then then nobody's gonna meet. I'm not even expecting them to meet. Like you know, not nobody's Beyonce except Beyonce. But I'm looking forward to the rest of the shows I will be going to this year. Already got some lined up, and I'll keep you guys posted when the time comes. Now, let's get into our favorite segment of the show. Let's get into some hot topics. I shouldn't really refer to formula one as hot topics for for today i will because the hot topic of today is that mercedes are fucking shit yet again <laughs> we have not improved they literally just painted the w13 black it's the same car if anything is it's gotten worse bahrain grand prix started on or started the bahrain grand prix was held on sunday and it was just abysmal like qualifying wasn't good mercedes started like seventh and fifth on the grid and the red bulls were p1 p2 followed by leclerc a lot hold on so for qualifying or i should say the starting grid was verstappen perez leclerc signs alonso russell Hamilton, Stroll, Ocon, Hulkenberg. That was the top 10. I'm not going to get into the rest. And the race started off okay. I mean, it was a bit of a tussle between the Red Bulls and the Ferraris. And by tussle, I mean, it just got a bit messy. Like, Sainz had a poor start. Of course, Max had a great start. And then Leclerc and Sainz were just messing up in the back. A lot of sparks flying. Somebody even hit Alonso. And that somebody turned out to be his um teammate Lance Stroll who is driving with a two broken wrists and a broken foot 
by the way. I was like, what kind of, what level of nonsense is this? Aren't there reserve drivers? Why would you come to work with literal broken bones and like pins holding your shit together and you're, you've come to drive a Formula One race car? As if, if he should crash now, what now? <laughs> your wrists are already broken. But anyways, that's just, that's just what I thought when I saw that he was driving. I was like, why would you drive? He had a, an accident and he's alive thank god but like go and heal god damn but um decent start not much action for lewis and george george at one point had several battles with the aston martins can you believe that aston martin is where mercedes were last year as part they have the like third fastest car on the grid well Alonso in the post-race interview said that it was the second fastest car on the grid because Ferrari Ferrari'd at the end of the day. But yeah, it was a rough day in the office for Mercedes. The car is shit. And it now has come to light that Toto Wolf himself has said that the car, the concept of the W13, they kept that same concept for the, for the car W14 because they believed that they could make it work. But it's clear as day that it's not working. And I'm just like, I don't know if you guys know this, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result each time. The car last year was shit. We collected data. We languished. We gnashed our teeth. The car was shit. Like, there was no improving that car. The only race that that car was good at is in Brazil. And that could be a combination of the altitude. It could be a combination of Lewis's intense vibes when he's in Brazil. Or it could have just been the mercy of God himself in Brazil. But the car only worked in one situation. The car was shit all year round. And then that same concept that same shitty concept you then were like yeah let's build the next season's car all around it where wh how there's a problem in mercedes at least they're all aware of it nobody's gonna start telling me oh we need to collect data we need to do this everybody's on board the car is shit but it's just like why couldn't we have solved these problems over the winter break like because now i don't know if we're suddenly gone with this car for the rest of the season I don't know if the if the upgrades that they bring are gonna really bring about much change. It's just like so frustrating. And quite frankly, I'm gonna keep it one hundred with y'all. I am not tenacious with sports enough to to deal with this shit every single week. I will simply stop watching. I will reclaim my Saturdays, my Sundays, and I will move on with my life. Shabi, it was Formula One Drive to Survive on Netflix that pulled me back in. I can release myself. I'm not tenaciously gripping to sports. I don't like sports enough for all of this. Last year was enough. If Mercedes want to drag me through this year for another year, I will simply cut the cord. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Do you know how hard it is to wake up on a Saturday to watch your team languish in qualifying and then have hope that, oh, Lewis Hamilton will pull something out the bag because he's Lewis Hamilton and then see him not pull anything out of the bag because the car they've given him is just that shit on a Sunday. Like, I can't. I'll simply give you guys this, this sport thing back and to now make matters even worse, as if Red Bull's dominance wasn't in annoying enough. Aston Martin have now made a decent car this year. 
And by decent, I mean it's fast. Alonso was on the podium today. Oh, sorry, not today. When the Bahrain Grand Prix was. Alonso podiumed. The last time this man had a podium was London 2012. I remember hearing that stat during qualifying. I think Crofty said it. And I was like, Formula 1 of these fucking stats. Like, imagine not having a, a, a podium in over a decade. And you've now put batteries in this man's back. We're all going to suffer. And, like, there's one thing to deal with Max Verstappen and Red Bull fans. Alonso fans, I'd rather chew glass than have to sit through a season of seeing those niggas win. Of seeing those niggas be happy. I'm not doing it. I'm not fucking doing it. <laughs> Alonso, like, even had a situation. He was so, like, he drives like he has nothing to lose, which is probably why he's good. But he drove like a desperate man today. Like, he... He had a bit of a tussle with George. He had a tussle with Lewis. And Lewis overtook him because that's just who the fuck Lewis is. But because the W14 isn't that fast, Alonso was able to overtake him. And I was like, Mercedes. Not only is Alonso good this season, Lewis Hamilton is now in a shitty car. Like, you, affliction. How many afflictions can one person take now? We have to fight this guy's rival in a shitty car. And, like, at least Alonso last season, he wasn't contending for nothing last year. But he kind of is contending for shit this year. He cannot have a one-up on Lewis. I refuse. If Alonso should even surpass Lewis in terms of points this year, it's going to be a bloodbath. And I will not participate. I will remove myself from the equation. I'm telling everybody right now, Toto Wolf, I'm talking to you, sir. Mike Elliott, I don't know what you people need to do over at Mercedes AMG Patronus HQ, but sort it out. George and Lewis are excellent drivers. George, he has it. He is who he is, unfortunately. Same with Lewis. Lewis is Lewis fucking Hamilton. Sir Lewis Hamilton. You have probably the greatest drivers on the grid. Give them a decent car. For God's sake. Ocon was probably like the most unluckiest person of all time during the Bahrain Grand Prix. He, at one point they gave him a penalty of 15 seconds. At one point they penalized him for something. I can't even remember what the first one was. But then he didn't serve that penalty correctly. His team started doing things to his car before the five seconds were up. Then he got penalized for speeding in the in the pit lane after serving a penalty. Then they were just like, take 15 seconds and just stay in there. I was like, he should have just parked for the side for the rest of the race. Because what the fuck? Who else had a bad day at the office? Um, McLaren. Oh my goodness. Oscar Piastri, his first race for this season. And he had a DNF. Norris. I think Norris is just about finished. But both, he was in and out of the pit lane a thousand times. Like, it was just really, really bad for McLaren. Like, the car looks great, but is not good. So, that's not good for McLaren because they normally, like, top the middle. I'd be the top of the rest of the grid. So, they're, like, third or fourth. But, mm-mm. Like, McLaren, with everything that's happened over the break, like, Ricardo leaving... I'm sure he felt so, like, vindicated, like, see, it wasn't me, the car is shit. But, I mean, in Ricardo's case, who knows? It could have been a combination of several factors. Because he's a good driver. 
but then he often tells us that oh i need to get used to the car and it seemed like he was just getting used to the car forever because lando was kind of dusting him last year yeah yeah it just wasn't good for mclaren with bahrain oh you know who else it wasn't good for ferrari oh my goodness so not only did leclerc not get to finish qualifying q3 because the ferrari just refused to let him out i think they called him to pit and they were like you're not going back out <laughs> so he ended up starting the race p3 he then literally we had a replay of every every um leclerc failure that we tend to have the car just stopped going and he just stalled and then he parked the car and we got Leclerc radio and he was just a much more velo version of no, no, no. But that was the end of the race for Leclerc. So he had a DNF on his first ever race and it's like Ferrari. They even had the vice president in their paddock. Like his name, his last name was literally Ferrari. And I was like, are you guys not ashamed of yourselves? Like you had how many months to get your shit together? Like what the hell? And then I didn't much watch most of the post-race analysis but they were saying that even ferrari didn't know what the problem was so child prayers are for ferrari because we're gonna have another season of their shenanigans i mean it's entertaining i can't lie like i love leclerc like screaming on the radio unfortunately i do love it but it's also like hard to watch because i'm sure as a driver you've waited so long to get back into the car you think ah oh, my team and i'm going in together i'm a good driver that i have a chance of winning the championship and the weapon fashioned against you is your literal team. Mercedes, catch your goddamn sub. Bottas had a good day though. He finished P8. Gasly too had a great day. He started the race P20 and he finished in the points. As did Albon. He finished number 10. Like, you know, all the people I like did well. But all the people I love are not doing well. And I have nobody but Mercedes to blame. Like, what the fuck, Mercedes? Like, oh my god. So, Verstappen, Perez, Alonso was the finishing podium. Sainz finished fourth, Lewis finished fifth, Russell finished seventh. Just, I'm gonna give them. Maybe I'll just be tuning in and out sporadically. When I hear that they're doing upgrades, I'll tune in. And if nothing's changing, then I wash my hands. But it's incredibly irresponsible for Mercedes to be fucking around like this. To be, like, blindly just focusing on a concept that has demonstrated that it does not work. I'm wasting Lewis Hamilton's time. Yes, he's the GOAT, but we have to be realistic. He's getting older. And we all know he needs to get his eighth. There's like Lewis has every single record in Formula One on lock except for this one. And I know we don't need it. Lewis is the undisputed goat, but people like to look at numbers. In order to really lock in Lewis's legacy to make it unwavering, he needs his eighth. We all want Lewis to get his eighth. Technically, he should have his eighth. But alas, and with that, Mercedes. You had one goddamn job. Make sure that the car this season works. I'm looking at everybody. I'm looking at everybody and I'm hoping for the best. But today, oh sorry, Bahrain, 
was painful to watch. But anyways, on to some good news. Kiki Palmer has had a baby. She's given birth to her baby boy. He was a Pisces in the end. His name is Leodis Andrelton Jackson. That is what we call a name. And she's already talking about um, her experiences as a mother. She's been praising single parents on Instagram, saying that she knows it sounds cliche, but it does indeed take a village to raise children. So shout out to those who do it by themselves. And I mean, absolutely. Parents in general, anybody who chooses to have a child deserves like a clap on on a regular basis. I mean, having children is not easy. And every day I'm, um, what's the word, reminded of how not ready I am for children. Because this podcast is my literal child, right? And I'm like consumed with thoughts of this podcast on a daily, like trying to make sure it can be the best podcast it can be but there are days where I just don't want to have to think about it and I can switch off for the day I will simply just not apply any thought to it I can't do that with a human being I have to be a fully present alert on job for a child every waking minute of the day I mean, that's the barest of minimums. You choose to bring this child into the world. Yes, you have to apply your life to this child because that's just what children require. I feel like of all the offspring in the animal kingdom, human babies are the most useless. They can't do anything by themselves. Have you seen elephants, baby elephants? Have you seen baby giraffes? Even baby kangaroos, once they come out of the womb, they're ready to go. They're on job. They're on guard. They can't hunt. They can't look after themselves. Okay, well, I don't know about hunt. But they are sufficient. Like, they can latch onto a tit. They can feed. They can walk. Like, that. that's the barest minimums. They can walk behind you. But human babies, all they do is cry. And you have to interpret those cries and be like, okay, what do you need? Like, you literally have to attend to human children hand on foot for, like, every day. Every minute of every day. So, I'm not surprised that she's like, damn, this shit's not easy. But kudos to those who choose to do it. And congratulations to Kiki Palmer. Her pregnancy went by really quickly, it feels like. I can't remember when she did SNL, but she was, like, very heavy at SNL. I feel like she was probably way beyond the 12-week mark, which is normally when people announce their pregnancies. So it doesn't seem surprising that the pregnancy went that quickly because she probably told us when she was well into it. And I don't blame her for it. So that was the best of the bunch that I had for you guys. It's only going to go downhill from here. Like, it's. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, okay, well, Vanessa Bryant. Um, hmm. So, I'm sure we all remember when Kobe Bryant and his daughter died in the helicopter crash a couple of years ago. There were reports that 
the first responders who were on the scene of the accident took pictures of the of the scene of the the bodies of the people who had passed away and the scene in general and Vanessa Bryant sued these individuals well they she sued the the LA County officer the sheriff's office and the fire department officer she sued the law essentially and she said she cited like emotional like distress like that there was the fact that there's even a possibility that those pictures could end up out into the world and she or her children could see it like come on although the office have reiterated that the pictures have been destroyed but exactly so she sued them and she won she is going to be receiving 29 million us dollars and that's that about that i mean i just wanted to report this particular news to everybody because i remember that day and i'm sure we all remember that day and i remember tmz breaking the news i didn't see any pictures but it was this the way tmz broke the news so fast that i was like there is no way Vanessa Bryant is even aware of this. Like, she probably might have found out on social media. And that in itself is crazy. Like, so I'm happy that she was able to, you know, it doesn't bring back her family. But money, unfortunately, will soothe some wounds, I guess. <laughs> and, yeah, like, very sad that this is even a thing. But I guess it's just a symptom of the world we live in. It was kind of like, you know, if for you guys have watched Nope, spoilers for those of you who haven't. When that guy comes on the motorcycle and like there's a literal like alien that wants to eat him. And his first and only thought is I need to take pictures. Like, but I mean, I know the media depicts people of today as very much like glued to their phone not caring no humanity the only thing that they think about is capturing the moment on their phone or whatever and i'm like i don't think that's very accurate for myself i mean if i see tragedy the first thought i have isn't to pick up my phone and start taking pictures like i've seen people fall down i've seen people like have accidents and my first thought is the with park let's let's take pictures of this person's misfortune <laughs> like so i'm trying to think like is it just the media that wants us to think that we are this way or is it an actual reflection of humanity i don't know but from my perspective i don't think we're that bad but then we also could be because there's tiktok so maybe that answer I mean, the question has just answered itself. The, fa the fact that TikTok exists, we are evil people, quite frankly. Speaking of evil people, I have some updates for those of us that care about both Real Housewives of Potomac and Real Housewives of Atlanta. I'll start with Potomac. So they are currently on their reunion section of the series. So I think we've got one more episode by the time this episode is out, the reunion, the last reunion episode will have aired, actually. And in the second episode of the reunion, the ladies were going to discuss the colorism 
allegations that have risen up over the course of this particular season of the Potomac franchise. So for those of us that do watch Housewives of Potomac, there is a very clear divide in the group in terms of the light skins versus the not so light skins. There is the Wicked Witches, the Blue-Eyed Bandits, Robin and Giselle. We have Ashley Darby. We have Karen Huger. And I saw a picture today where Sharice was in the picture and she was trying to be like part of the light skin gang. And I was like, be fucking for real. But anyways. <laughs> oh, and Mia. Oh, God. Mia as well. She's also a part of the lighty the Lighties Brigade. And then we have Wendy, Dr. Wendy Osofo. We have Candice. And I think that's all we have. My God. It's literally us versus the world on our franchise. But anyway, this particular season, majority of the the fights of the major storylines have happened between Mia and Wendy, Candice and Ashley. And notably... The, I want to say protagonist. I'm going to Google protagonist real quick. Just hold on a second. <laughs> the main protagonists of both of these storylines are dark skin. And the antagonist, right, is light skinned. <laughs> Sorry, I was just looking at Google. So, the... It was such a thing that, of course, social media was like, this season is so colorist. Like, we have to address this. We can't just keep moving forward without actually, like, is there a problem? And are all of these, like, yes, we tune into Housewives for entertainment, but is is this, like, colorist? Like, yeah, we want some drama, but it better not be colorist, right? So they chose to address it at the reunion. And Andy Cohen made a point to say that, he fully knows that he's not equipped to have this kind of conversation. He is a white gay man <laughs> in America. He does not have the bandwidth for a conversation between black women about colorism. But the housewives agreed between themselves that they wanted to have that conversation without a moderator. And I think that's where the real problem started because nothing was addressed in that conversation. Like they didn't like they didn't address anything i personally think that most of the storylines and the drama this season has heavily been fueled by colorism i think mia just can't wrap her head around the fact that wendy is more successful than she will ever be and she feels like she has to kind of like put Wendy in her place when she has the opportunity to, even though it's based on absolutely nothing. Like Mia threw a drink at Wendy this season and Wendy should have punched her lights out, but she didn't. And then it kind of like, they tried to like queer bait us and be like, Mia was talking about she wanted to eat Wendy's box. And I was like, girl, shut up. But it got nasty again at the reunion anyway. So I was just like, there's obviously something there. And it might be fueled by that. Mia made a point to say it wasn't. That she's raising a dark-skinned daughter. And I'm just like, huh. God bless everybody involved. But 
like nothing moved like everybody mentioned the problems that had occurred throughout the season but there was no resolution nobody was held accountable the only person who kind of had a coming to jesus moment was ashley where she like i'm the bar is literally in hell because the only thing that she did was acknowledge that she has advantage that she has light skin privilege but other than that, nobody owned up to the fact that, yeah, they are actually colorists and a lot of the motivations they have when it comes to who they pick fights with or the size they take could be influenced by that. I mean, I think it's possible. And I think people who watch the show are fully aware of it. Like, I, I can't... I couldn't fully say that, no, they, it just so happens that these women hate each other like it doesn't have anything to do with colorism i think it has something to do with it i to what extent i can't say but to say that it doesn't happen or like oh it's not that i just don't like her like come on we needed a moderator i wasn't even sure who could moderate it because you'd want somebody who would actually like not contribute to the brushing under the carpet of it all but actually call these women out i saw a tweet where somebody mentioned oh it was ziwa not um Z-Way, sorry, was she not available? And apparently Z-Way is a huge fan of this particular franchise. And every clip I see of Z-Way, I feel like she's very straight to the point. I think she would ask the questions that needed to be asked. And she would also have the bandwidth to handle such a conversation, to put herself in the conversation and to really hold people accountable. Like, yeah, I know it's just Real Housewives, I know. But it's, like, I don't know, but I feel like it's educational. <laughs> Like, I feel like Real Housewives teaches me shit. I can't say exactly what it is, but it's entertainment. But we could also use it as a learning opportunity. Like, people watch the Real Housewives of Atlanta, of Potomac, of all of these franchises. And if you've got people's attention, yeah, let's learn something. You know, while you're plugged in, let's actually take some shit in while we're here. So... Yeah, like, we should absolutely be having constructive conversations around colorism on Housewives of Potomac, especially when we're all aware of it. It's just this huge elephant in the room. Sticking with Potomac, um, Michael Darby, Ashley Darby's ex-husband, is apparently suing Candice, who is a cast member, for comments she made about him on this season that's just finished. She, man, you guys who watch the show know that Candice has a very sharp mouth. And Ashley, um, I think she came to Candice and told her, well, insinuated that a friend of hers um, had been... I want to say accosted, but that's not the right word to use. But she was in a situation where Candace's husband was like flirting with her, which we now later found out there was no con there was no basis for that, like zero basis for that. <laughs> but um, Ashley told Candace that, and then Candace immediately went into your husband like gets his dick sucked or sucks dick by this guy. Like she just like I think they even bleeped it out. Like, she mentioned names, but they bleeped out of the show. And Michael Darby is suing Candice for what she said. I think he's suing her for, like, 2 million USD. Does Candice have that kind of money? I mean, yeah, like, I don't, like, yeah, okay, she's on Housewives of Potomac and she makes music, but 2 mil? The streets are saying that Darby is looking for alimony money for Ashley anyway, so he's, like, 
um robbing peter to pay paul yeah on the other um at, um housewives franchise we're going over to atlanta drew sidora files for divorce from that her sociopath of a husband ralph so for you guys that watched the show drew was in she was in a hellish marriage from what we'd seen anyway from the clips that we saw on the show it was easy for somebody to say that he hated her or he had like problems like there was something was wrong he could have even been a combination of both but ralph was just a, a terrible man <laughs> to her like he just constantly reminded her that i don't like you like during the pandemic like in the middle of it, in 2020 um he left her and the kids and went to like florida like he drove to florida and he was there for a few days and he wouldn't pick up his phone and then on the show she was asking him where was he and he was just like i'm a man like how can you question me like why are you asking me where i am and i was like what and that was like the first that was her first season i think and then there were conse um consequential seasons where she has a son by another man but she's married to ralph and i think on multiple occasions he said he would adopt her son but he just didn't and then he ended up writing a book about uh, men that adopt um people's other people's children and he, like and then he he didn't even tell drew that he was writing it until he was like hey i wrote this book about this thing that i haven't done for you can you write the foreword and i was just like what <laughs> so when the news came across my tl it was actually given out that ralph was the person who filed div for divorce against her and i was like not him filing first like i know she's kind of she has a few um, screws loose in her head too but the fact that he filed like girl the l's just never stopped but tmz later reported that she beat him to the courthouse by like a couple seconds or minutes or something let me verify this news really quickly oh my god <clears throat> she beat him to the court by 61 minutes and she ended up filing for divorce so on the papers she filed not him filing i know at the end of the day they're getting divorced but the way that man made that girl look so like it was it was like emotional torture having to watch them on tv it was hard it was hard so i'm really happy that she at the end of the day got to file from divorce from that crazy man so well done, Drew. Even though like every season when Atlanta's on, I'm like actively campaigning for them to get rid of her because she just is so, oh my God. But you also don't deserve to be in a relationship with a literal psychopath. So I'm happy that she's released herself from bondage from that man. So us succession girlies, I'm so sorry my thoughts and prayers with every single one of you and myself included we're getting the final season later on this month like when we're not gonna get eight seasons unfortunately i thought this was gonna be like a flagship hbo show and we were gonna be here for the long ride like i thought we were gonna get the game of thrones treatment where we'd just be like 10 years from now <laughs> 
we'd still be watching Succession, but unfortunately, we will not be. The last season is airing on the 27th of March, I think, and the trailer dropped as well. Go check it out if you guys haven't seen it already. Like, it's going to be an incredible season. Like, the trailer alone was fantastic, but not only... Is it the final season? But we've now found out that the girlies over our succession are fighting. And when I say girlies, I mean Brian Cox and Jeremy Strong. So Logan Roy and Kendall Roy, they don't like each other, guys. I've seen Brian Cox take jabs at method acting on several occasions. Like I think I once read an article where he said something along the lines of, if you're an actor, your job is to act. You don't need to, like, chain yourself to a wall and, like, fast for 80 days in order for you to, to do your job. Like, you should just be able to get on set, do your lines, and go home. And I, my head, I was like, I mean, preach. Like, because you see some actors saying that, like, they do the wildest shit in order to get into character. Like, I think it was Jared Leto. For the film he did for Marvel that I don't even know the name of, I never watched, I erased it from memory. But I remember him saying something along the lines of like he stalked somebody so that he would know what it's like to like do what he had to do in the film. And I was like, are you serious? You probably gave somebody just hypertension because you're trying to get into a role. Or like people who go on those like crazy diets in order to be on a role. Like people who gain like mad weight or get like mad skinny. Like Christian Bale people like that you know and it's like okay so, <laughs> so I kind of agree with Brian Cox on that but he said that Jeremy Strong's method acting is fucking annoying <laughs> to be around and he said and I quote Jeremy Strong is talented he's fucking gifted when you've got the gift celebrate the gift go back to your trailer and have a hit of marijuana you know basically saying bro chill out which makes me think that Jeremy Strong is exactly like Kendall Roy. Like, there is no difference. He's not even acting. He's just showing up to work. But, like, why are they fighting? They're both excellent actors. The show's great. And I'm now thinking that is this contributing to the end of the show? Like, is the cast just so unmanageable because of this? That they're just like, whoa, we can't do another couple years of this. Let's just hang it up right now. Or is it that... They're like, the story's been told. Let's wrap it up. I mean, I'm, I don't think Succession could ever be bad. Like, I don't think they, they could do much to make it, like... Like, it's such a good show. Like, what could they possibly do to make it unbearable? But then again, for you Game of Throners out there, you'll probably say, well, look at what they did with Game of Thrones. And I had the luxury of being able to watch Game of Thrones in one big chunk, as I've told you guys several times before and I had a great time watching Game of Thrones and yes I noticed a a shift in the storytelling towards the end like the last two seasons things that would probably have been been like really like well done and maybe done over a couple of episodes like, storylines that have been building for, like, years at this point, just over the seasons, were, like, tied up and wrapped up in, like, one or two episodes. And I was just like, what? Like, you've literally been, like, 
edging people with this shit for like years at this point and this is how you guys wrap it up however i didn't have to wait to watch it i could just watch everything in one go and so i think that massively contributed to me having a good time but like i don't know if they could fuck up succession to that extent but then again so yeah, I hope we all enjoy Succession when it does come out. I'm going to do a rewatch and I'm really going to like dive into it this time. I mean, I loved it the first time around, but I really want to remind myself of the debauchery that's taking place these last couple of seasons. And so I can really just roll around in this final season and really take it in because I've really enjoyed this show. It's been one of my like favorite shows since I watched the first season. I don't even know. They're like, there's nothing on TV anymore. I don't know if you guys, like, have these same problems. I'm having to rely on YouTube a lot more for content. And don't get me wrong, I watch quality content on YouTube. Everybody that watches me watch YouTube always walks away like, wow, I really like that. Because I do watch good shit on YouTube. But I want to watch, like, good TV. Like, I want to watch, like, a 30, 40 minute episode or something and, like, watch several of that. Like, why can't I do that? Like, there's, even on, like, just regular, like, British TV, there's not really much going on unless I'm just not paying attention. The saving grace is Gogglebox. That's premium television right there. And we a new season just started, so. I guess let me just enjoy the bits that I have. And on our last little pinch of hot topics, Donald Glover is dropping a new show actually called swarm and he dropped a trailer and i watched the trailer and i couldn't help but think of that moment in euphoria when maddie says is this fucking play about us and by us i'm referring to the beehive as the title of this television show suggests it's about a girl who is an emphatic fan of a global superstar they didn't mention names of the superstar but they're a black woman they showed a poster of like uh, tour dates in the trailer and it looks suspiciously like the on the run and the on the run 2 flyers that went about they kept using like bees in the in the thing and like this fan I, th I don't know but she ends up committing a crime and it's associated with her love for this global superstar and i'm just like why the fuck would you do this why the hell would you do this i'm gonna watch it i'm gonna i'm gonna engage i'm gonna watch it but i'm just like there's already a narrative there's already a narrative and he's just making it a lot worse. Like, like people call us crazy on a good day. And I guess I associate myself with the beehive. Like, I'm not ashamed of being a part of the beehive. But I am ashamed of people who indulge in, like, stand wars and all that shit. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing all that. Because that has nothing to do with why we're in the beehive in the first place. The reason why there's a beehive, we are connected by our love for Beyonce. We're here to 
praise Beyonce, to promote Beyonce and to just ride for Beyonce. We're not here to now start fighting with people that stand Harry Styles or Taylor Swift and Nicki Minaj and just start calling each other all types of bitches and hoes because of who we stand. Like, that's where things have gone a bit too far. And I don't engage in such behavior. But Donald Glover, count your days, bitch. I'm joking. I just... I'm going to watch it. Chloe Bailey's in it, which kind of raised eyebrows because everybody was like, why would Chloe Bailey be in this television program when it's a direct jab at Beyonce? And I don't know if that's something that Beyonce would care about. I don't know if it's something Beyonce has any jurisdiction over. Beyonce is not handling the contracts that Chloe Bailey gets. I don't think. I don't think Beyonce is the one who's like calling up Amazon, calling up Pepsi, calling up whoever Chloe is promoting this week and saying, yeah, can you can you guys get me a deal? That's what Parkwood is there for. I think the very fact that Beyonce is associated with Parkwood makes getting these jobs for the girlies a lot easier. But I don't think like I, I just don't think Beyonce is that plugged in. But that's just me. Who the hell knows? I don't know. But I'm going to watch it anyway. I almost finished um, the last season of Atlanta too. And that's great. Like all of the good shows, they end really early. Have you guys noticed this? Like writers are just like, yeah, you know what? Before before we have to start writing some shit that we don't want associated with ourselves. Let's just stop now. Let's just stop on a high. And I admire that. I admire that. <laughs> oh, now... We are at everybody's favorite subsection of Hot Topics, our Love Island recap. I think this is probably going to be one of the last recaps we do because this shit is wrapping up. Praise God. If my calculations are correct, we should be entering finals week by the time this episode is up. So by Sunday, we should have a winner and we can just wrap this season up put it in a box and bury it and leave it there i am tired of this season like it started off well like i i was like oh there's potential here and it has actually been a very drama packed season but for all the wrong reasons like i don't log in to an episode of love island now thinking oh i'm gonna get my life like i'm gonna get my feel i'm i'm hate watching at this point i i clock in at 9 p.m every single goddamn day and i just hate watch because there's nobody there that i like i don't like any of the couples now or just on principle kai and sanam should win just based on the principle alone but I'm not invested in them. Like, I don't really, like, I don't care for them. The only person I cared to get out of the villa was Olivia. And praise God, she went last week. Praise Jesus, she left last week. I think that was the first time as a nation we all banded together to do the right thing. Every single factor of life was fed up of Olivia on that fucking show. We were all so tired. We were like, she needs to go. <laughs> we all voted to make sure that she left. She was in the bottom, her and Maxwell. And then 
at the dumping, Maya Jama's fine self told Olivia that the power is in your hands. You have the power to choose another couple to take with you to the airport. And at this particular point in time, I was so happy to see anybody in that bottom go home. If I remember correctly, the bottom four was Olivia Maxwell, Claudia and Keenan, Tanya and Shaq. Was that it? I cannot remember. But anyways, should I? Hmm, I've kind of jumped the gun. I've just realized I've jumped the gun. I've jumped the gun. There was trouble between Casey and Will and Jess earlier on in the week. I'm just reading my notes. I'm getting so tired because I don't like this shit was the dumbest shit ever. And like not having Jazz here to ask me what was happening. Like I don't, I just, I don't want to talk about it. I don't. But essentially what had happened was there was insinuations that Jess was fake and she is. Every time she cries, you never see tears. She's fake. And I think Casey had a conversation with Maxwell and Maxwell was talking about how fake he found Jess to be. And then word got back to Will because Olivia said, yeah, we think she's fake. And then Will got all mad husky. I was like, I'm not having that. And I was like, oh, okay, Will. Then the girls kind of ganged up on Olivia because they were like, oh my God, how could you say that she's fake? <laughs> and then Olivia had a drop. But then the next day was the party and Olivia ended up going home anyway. And she took um, Claudia and Keenan with her. Now, Claudia. Hmm. Claudia was this close to making me stop paying for my TV license. Like, I was so fed up of her. So Casey and Claudia were a couple. Claudia made it very clear that she she likes Casey. She really likes him. A bombshell came in. Her name was Rosie. And Rosie took Casey's attention. He was like, girl, I need you. I want you. But Claudia was like, um, I'm still here. What do you mean by that? You can't just crack on like that in front of me. You're not even... I love you. Don't you know that I really like you? How could you do this to me? And she just like... The whole process was longed out for so much time. Instead of them to just have one clean car conversation. There's somebody that's coming to the villa. I'm liking them. I'm going to get to know them. I still want to get to know you. And then whoever wins in it. <laughs> Obviously not like that. But you know something along those lines. Instead of them to just have that conversation and be done with it. It was dragged on for days and days. And Claudia was giving pathetic. Like she would literally break down in tears every time Casey would have a conversation with her. Along the lines of yeah I really like Rosie. I want to get to know her. And then Casey too. Hmm, there was a time where Casey kissed this new girl Rosie in bed. Do you know that? Casey was asking the boys and some of the girls that, oh, since I kissed Rosie, should I tell Claudia? And I didn't understand why nobody in the villa asked him if he was a sick fool. Because why would you go and tell, like, why are you reporting yourself? Is she, is she your mom? Even if, as a grown person as you are now, would you go and tell your mom that you kissed somebody? So why the fuck are you reporting yourself to your, like, you're not even your ex, just somebody you used to talk to. Like, be fucking for real. So, all of that happened. Um, Claudia was even shouting at him 
because she found out that they did kiss and she came to him and was fully having a go at him like how dare you kiss her and not tell me and i was like okay so everybody here is just mentally unstable right got the memo and then they ended up rooting out claudia later on that night so she her crazy self she left ron and lana became boyfriend and girlfriend next um we had sports day and we also had snog marry pie which one do i want to tackle first snog marry pie i literally cannot remember what the hell happened i can't because at that at that time claudia and casey their their storyline was like quite prominent so i think i'm i blocked it out from memory because i didn't even write much on here I literally wrote nothing interesting except Shaq kissed Lana and vice versa. Yeah, so Shaq ended up kissing Lana and then he married Tanya. I can't remember who he pied. I can't remember. And then Lana, I think she kissed Shaq as well. And then she married Ron, which kind of sprinkles some zest on the rumors that Ron and Lana want. Sorry, not Ron and Lana. Lana and Shaq want each other, but... Again, what am I supposed to do with that piece of information? Okay, sports day. It was the typical sports day. They did um things. And <laughs> towards the end, Tom was on the losing team. And he was salty. Which is fine. Some people are very competitive. Do you guys not remember when Toby was on Love Island? That he went to start pumping iron immediately after he lost? Some people, they just take those things to heart. So he was in a bad mood for the rest of the evening you know when they get ready and they go back outside tom was still moaning and the boys were rubbing it in male banter i don't know what that is like you see somebody is in a bad mood and you're like hmm how can i make them feel better by rubbing it in but anyways that's what they did to the point where tom was like okay can you guys pack it in now like you're getting on my nerves and do you know who just kept doubling and tripling and quadrupling down the one at only shack i tweeted it on my account that shack is always on the wrong side of history things that you shouldn't have anything to say even if you want to put your mouth in it your own shouldn't be the most that's where shack will decide to die will <laughs> be like this ill I am going to build a home on it and grow old on it and die on it. And it was so embarrassing because now all of the aggro that Tom had bottled up that was supposed to be directed to everybody, he was just aiming at Shaq and it was just so hard to watch. Even Tanya had to pull him and be like, bro, like, why do you do the things that you do? Relax. Like, just relax. Ugh, man, it was hard to watch because it was just like, goodness. There was a public ranking challenge. <clears throat> there were so many challenges last week. But I think it was on Friday night. There was the public ranking challenge. Which is kind of like the new tweet challenge. Which sidebar. The tweet challenge is fundamental to the very fabric of Love Island. We need the tweet challenge. We need to know what the public thinks. I know that this public ranking challenge is like a a lighter version of the tweet challenge but sometimes you need to hear verbatim what people have to say i think to stop some of the shenanigans that we see people but then i guess jazz would be the one to say at this point that like it begins to sway 
the perception of the islanders because you're not acutely aware of what the public has to say. So you're going to play the game in order to, you know, shine bright in the eye of the public, even if that's not, that wasn't your true intention. So I understand. But I just miss people tearing the islander shirts on Twitter and then we're all seeing it happen in 4K. And I've always wanted to have like a tweet, like I've always wanted them to read out my tweet, but now that will never happen. But this public ranking challenge, I don't know who they are. So I'm assuming it's people that follow Love Island on social media because I don't. But they um were asked to like rank couples according to different parameters. So I wrote down some of them because there were a lot and I wasn't listening to a lot of it. But Chuck and Tanya won the following. Most horniest couple. Most argumentative couple. Worst dress couple. Like, the three things... I mean, I don't even mind... I mean, do you want people to know that you're horny? Do you want that to be something that's prominent? Do you want everybody to look and be like, Oh my God, this couple, like, they can't get their hands off each other? I mean... <laughs> but I want to say that I think worst dress is down to Shaq. And I don't, I don't really look at Shaq and look at what he's wearing when the episodes are on. But I, I always think that Tanya looks spectacular every time we see her outside hair looks done makeup is good she looks great so i think shaq is doing majority of the heavy lifting on that worst dress thing the best looking couple was tom and sammy and then the most one-sided couple again it was like gold silver bronze or whatever and for one-sided in no particular order because i did not write it down (laughs) Will and Jess, Shaq and Tanya and Rosie and Cassie were rated the most one-sided relationship. I mean, Shaq and Tanya, that makes no surprise to me. Even Will and Jess. I firmly believe that Jessica is playing a game. And she knows that the public likes William. She knows that William is probably one of the most liked people. So gumming herself with him makes the most sense. I feel like every single piece of drama between Will and Jess... Beyond Casa Amor has been manufactured by Jesse. But that's another conspiracy for another day. So that wasn't surprising to me. Ron and Lana got the least sexual chemistry. And I was like, oh my fucking God. Like, okay, I've answered that question. Being voted as the most horniest is way better than being voted as the couple with the lowest sexual chemistry. As per people look at you and they're like, do you guys even like each other? And then later, when everybody was doing like the debrief, Ron was telling Lana that, yeah, I don't need to tell, I don't need to show everybody how much I like you. Like, we're going to do all that on the outside. And I was like, so you can't even just kiss our cheek and hold a hand. Like, what do you mean? Like, like, you're not even going to, like, kiss or anything because you don't want people to see your PDA. Like, that doesn't make any sense, my G. You guys, I don't think they like each other like that. Like, I don't. And that leads in perfectly to one of the other um, categories that they won. Was the top game player couple. So, which couples are just playing a game? Like, they don't really like the other person. And at that point, nobody wanted to put themselves first. I mean, duh. But everybody was making such a big deal out of I, I'm, I'm not... I don't want to be involved. I, I think um, Tanya even made a point to say, I don't want to go up there. And I was like, girl, come on. And then Shaq, again, with his wide jaw, was talking about, well, I think people would say that Ron is just playing the game because 
like we all like Lana. So he's just gunning herself himself to him because it makes himself look good. And everybody was like, Oh my god, Shaq. And even Ron was like, Oh my god, like I don't even know what to say. Blah, blah, blah. But he, I don't think he's lying. And but you know, at the end of the day, I won't be surprised if Ron and Lana end up winning Love Island because that's just the type of shit that this country is capable of doing. Oh, okay, I did write down the result of this one. Ron and Lana were third, Shark and Tanya were second, and Casey and Rosie were first. Yeah, that's it for Love Island. I think um, Kai and Sanam should win, but I don't think they will win. Because I don't know if the country will vote for them, but then again, they might. They might because if you look at the hashtag, you watch After Sun when Kaiz and I'm spoken about, people tend to get really excited. So I think maybe they might have a chance. If everybody has sense, we would have seen Will and Jess for everything they are. Not less Will, more Jess. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that as well. And then who else is there? Shaq and Tanya. I don't even think they'll make it to the final. I don't think they'll be our fourth couple. They, I mean, Shaq and Tanya have been a disgrace i'm joking but i just i i don't know i don't know i don't know if they'll make it tommy um tommy tom and sammy beautiful gowns ron and lana mm -mm. who else we got that's it is it not i genuinely can't remember who else is in there I feel like I'm missing up a couple, but if I can't remember who they are, then that just speaks to who should really win at the end of the day. And ladies and gentlemen, I have reached the end of our Love Island recap. And I'm nearing the end of this episode. And I know we've all been gum to the news the past couple of days. Um like the the week that we just had we found out the results of Nigeria's presidential elections and of course it didn't go the way we wanted it to go because when does anything ever work in Nige? Um I've watched a lot of channels TV, I've lot of watch of I've watched a lot of Arise News TV, like I've watched more of those channels combined than I have in a very long time. Just to try and make sense of what the hell is going on in our beloved nation, that is Nigeria. And I don't have the answers. I don't think anybody has the answers, quite frankly. Like, you know, we're at that age where, you know, when I was younger, I used to look at my parents and when they'd hang out with other people, like, around their age. And the only thing they would ever talk about was Nige. And I always used to be like, do you, like, you guys just gather around to, like, lament about how shit Nige is? Like, can we come up with something else? And I'm literally at that age now. Every opportunity I have to speak to somebody who knows about our situation, I'm like, are you seeing this? And they're like, I know. And there's literally nothing else you can do about it. I mean, we all thought that we could do it, that Obi would be president, but the powers that be do not want that to be. And it's like so annoying seeing other countries that congratulate Nigeria on this fraudulent nonsense. And I think, I don't know much about politics, I don't care to, but I think it pays some people for Nigeria to be the way it is. Like, I know people are benefiting from Nigeria being the way it is. Nigeria is the way it is by design. But I hope that we can break free of this nonsense in my lifetime. Like, Nigerians deserve 
it's just been hardship after hardship after hardship the people of that country deserve respite and they deserve hope and they deserve calm and prosperity and progress and i really hope we find that like wouldn't be really bad if anything terrible should happen to bats like you know <laughs> like but i mean i don't know when exactly the governor um elections are the gubernational elections are but if anybody still has any hope any inkling of hope or any desire to hopefully help change nigeria please go outside please vote for the candidate that matches best with your desires hopefully you're not a selfish asshole listening to this podcast but yeah i just really wish nigerians peace because there's nobody more deserving of that than nigerians and i really hope that the good thing the bright thing the the honest and the truthful thing prevails at the end of all of this um at this point i would ask jazz what she's listening to if we didn't have anything else to talk about for the day and i've actually been listening to a lot of stuff lately been dabbling my toes in all sorts these past couple of days i listened to a song by any called no more niger men and it's a great song lovely beat it's like spoken word rap but it's really good and the message i approve and then i started listening to kalela and like she's a hundred percent my vibe why haven't i been listening to her sooner i tapped into her new album raven and it's so good like it's exactly the kind of music i like listening to so i'm now a kalela fan and um i was catching up on isaiah richard as i was talking about earlier today but um that's it guys i ain't got nothing else for (laughs) y'all i feel i have done a good job this solo episode i've spoken for like an hour this year is not easy like people who have solo pods and they regularly upload episodes like kudos to you guys thank you for tuning in thank you for um rocking with us this past year to all of our listeners all of our supporters all of our fans thank you so much for your support we're here for the long run i was gonna say we're here for a good time we're here for a good time and we're here for a long time we're women we can do both (laughs) here's so many more episodes of dumb stage hopefully with my co-host jasmine i mean i don't mind doing this show by myself but i do like doing it with my co-host so hopefully we have jazz back next week i hope all of you listeners have a fantastic week ahead i hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode again please follow us on our social media platforms follow us on twitter and tiktok at dumb and sage follow us on instagram at dumb.sage please check out our telly which is our website the link is in the bio as always and use the hashtag dumb sage whenever you're talking about our beautiful little podcast and i'll see you all next week bye